D-S-N-Y. So this is episode 99, the Aaron Judge episode, and we're going to start off with that right away. Of the, no, let's not break it. Yeah, of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, and XL Media. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. And since this is the Aaron Judge episode of the podcast, I think we have to start with Aaron Judge possibly being injured. We talked about obliques. We talked about them so much. So much. Yeah. Obviously, we we don't know what's going on. It's just, quote, general soreness. Yeah, I didn't love uh, when Marley Rivera asked Aaron Boone today if he could specify whether or not this is an injury. He didn't have an answer for that question. Seems like a pretty basic question. Is Aaron Judge injured? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't think I can answer that question. Well, what do you know, Aaron? Is Aaron Judge injured or not? Is he taking a rest day, another rest day, or is he unable to play? Because quite honestly, I would not be surprised if it's also, a if he's not that injured, maybe he is generally sore, but they don't want him to play on the turf because turf and and big guys don't go along well. They just don't. Turf turf doesn't go along well with anybody. And this is, and it will always be a recurring theme on this podcast. Let's just destroy Trop. Let's just destroy the Trop. I hate it. It's the worst place in the world. The Yankees never win there. Never. You know, I was just watching the post-game show because obviously they lost today at the Trop, of course, after I believe the Rays were swept by the Red Sox. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, let's actually play baseball. But I saw an interesting stat. And since 2015, there are three or five ballparks that the Yankees are terrible at. Their record is just below 500. They struggle. Three of those ballparks are in the AL East. That is not good. No, you probably want to be better in your own uh, in your own division. Probably want to be able to play road games in your division. I'm going to guess the other two. Uh, Oakland. Oakland is one of them, right? Uh, I believe so. Yep. Oakland and uh, let's say let's say the Angels. Let's say let's say Los Angeles. Globe Life Park. Globe Life Park. I didn't. Arlington, that. Texas. That one I didn't expect. Uh, but I guess we never really, we don't really go out to Texas that often, just like we don't really go out to Oakland that often, which is why it's more of a problem that three of the five fields are in the AL East because we play there all the time. Correct. And obviously the one that's not on there is uh, Camden Yards because, well, the Yankees also own Camden Yards. It's just the second home ballpark for them. But yeah, I saw that stat and I was kind of embarrassed for a moment. Yeah. And, and back to... Back to the general topic of what we're talking about. Aaron Judge. I mean, I feel like I need to know if he's going to be in the lineup tomorrow to make a decision on this, to to finally like put this to bed. Like, no, he's not injured. He's totally fine. And he just he couldn't go for a couple games. But I am a little bit worried that we're starting to get into that classic Yankees territory of no, no, he's fine. No, he's fine. We're just giving him a couple of days off. And then a couple of days turns into a 10 day IL stint. And then the 10 day IL stint turns into two months. And that's just I don't want to do that again because we've been doing that for so long. So it's a long. Pattern. It's a pattern. And we're just so used to it at this point. But that does not mean we can accept it. 
we cannot yeah. accept this. No. And uh, just tell us if he's healthy or not, man. We've been begging for this for three years. Just be honest with us. Don't do this, this fake thing where you say, yeah, well, he's got some general soreness and we'll see how he feels tomorrow. Just tell us, man, is he going to be out for two months? We need to know. That's it. Not so we can write him off, but so we can at least figure out the best makeup for the Yankees moving forward. If that means Brett Gardner in the outfield every day, then yeah. Yeah, this is this is just all you want, just Brett Gardner in the outfield. And obviously today, Mike Talkman got the nod instead of Brett Gardner. I'm sure you wouldn't couldn't have been happy he about did. that. And you know what? Watching the game today, there were uh, a couple of plays. He kind of misplayed a little bit. I felt like he could have caught that ball over his head if he got a better jump. And also, I feel like he approached the double very, very poorly. He approached it kind of. He went in and then he was like, oh, shoot, it's going faster than I thought. So instead of actually, he went in to cut it off, but didn't go around. So that's the outfielder and me speaking. Obviously, I can't catch those. I know that. But yes, talking got the nod today. I am glad that he is getting some playtime, though, because that is really exciting for me. And I feel like he plays so much better under pressure. Hence, the other day when he slid into home after chugging around from first base, that was the best play of the season so far. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And that was it was kind of a weird situation because when you're looking for a speed guy, I would think Tyler Wade is your is your first bet. Like you need you need a guy to go steal a bag. You need a guy who's going to go first to third on a single like go to Tyler Wade. What is he on the roster for if he's not going to be your fast guy? What do we have Tyler Wade around for? And they not just, for defense. No, not for defense. And they should keep going to Mike Tockman. And to Tockman's credit, he's pulling through. He's doing a really good job. He didn't get that. The one. Um, I can't remember if it was opening day or a couple or a couple games ago when he was running home off the DJ LeMay, who grounded a third. I think that was opening day and he just didn't quite make it to home in time after two stolen bases, which was, I mean, great. You did your job. You got the third base and then you have a contact hitter up who just happened to hit it to Kevin Biggio. That sucked. That was not great. But Talkman's doing his job on the bases and who knows? Maybe Tyler Wade just has no place on this team anymore. I mean, quite honestly, I was I was so surprised to see Talkman, first of all, steal those two bases. Um, he's just like you said, he's not the speed guy that you think of when you think of someone that you want to run for Gary Sanchez. I would definitely put in Tyler Wade just because I trust the infield more than I do the outfield. So I feel like if you're going to waste a player just for running around, let's have it be Tyler Wade. But no, they chose Talkman. I was questioning it a little bit. He stole a couple bases. He went from first to home on uh, on that double. I think it was Stanton. Was it Stanton that hit the double? I don't know. Yes. Someone hit the yes. double. John Carlos Stanton. He went the other way. Yeah, exactly. And it was. Or no, just, no, it was maybe it was DJ LeMayhew. No, DJ LeMayhew hit the ground rule double up up the middle, and it stopped him at third. Oh, well, when he did run from first to home, whenever that happened, and he did the beautiful head first slide, it was so wonderful. Like, it's that's the type of baseball I miss seeing. Like, I know that everyone loves seeing the Yankees hit home runs. I do, too. Watching Aaron Hicks hit his home run today, epic. Bat flip, everything. It was perfect. But at the same time, playing that smaller game of baseball and like having those speedy people on the base pass who are willing to go that extra base and make the other team make the play. That is the baseball I have missed so much. I started crying. Yes, obviously. Once you start crying, you know, the Yankees are doing good things. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and you know, Aaron Hicks getting that home run today. That was big. He was off to a pretty slow start. He had he scorched a couple balls that just went directly at people. So it's not like he's been swinging poorly. 
He's had a, he has had some good swings, and it's just finally one leaves the ballpark. That's the only play you can't defend. Can't put a defender out in the bleachers. Can't do that. So hit it over the fence, and then you don't have to worry about whether a 110-mile-per-hour exit velocity goes right to someone's glove. Right, right. So since obviously the last time we talked, there have been – um six games six games technically six games we're now we're now three and four finished out the blue jay series finished out uh three games in or in new york against baltimore and then obviously now we're in tampa bay um what do you think so far what what are your what's your thought process here uh well why don't we do it this way let's go by what are the biggest stories in the first week and a lot of them are going to be a little bit of overreactions but a lot of them are also going to be very legitimate concerns first and foremost being glaber torres's defense it's bad it's so bad he is just not a shortstop and we wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt coming into this year and just say you know what like this kid has so much talent he was he was a shortstop coming up through the system, and we want to believe in him. And so far in the first week of the season, it's been an unmitigated disaster. It literally lost us a game. I do, I do believe in him. And, you know, obviously it's very early on in the season, but what we've seen so far has been bad. And even today uh, in Tropicana Field, you know, obviously it's hard to follow the ball with the lights, but he was – uh, going after a foul ball and he overran it and then tried to tried to leap back for it. You know, like I, and I know this is just the bleeding heart in me. I feel for the guy and I know he's so he's capable of so much more than that. Like I really, really want him to do well. And it's so hard to watch when he's making errors and rushing throws and just, I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah, and let's not pretend like Glaber Torres isn't working hard at shortstop. We know that Glaber Torres knows this is the biggest hole in his game right now. There's no way that he's oblivious to the fact that the only thing holding him back from being a superstar player is the fact that he just can't play defense, and he's a shortstop. If you're a shortstop, you should be able to play defense. It's like very, very basic concept, and he has to be working on it. We know he's working on it, and it's just it's not coming together, and there's... I feel like a lot of confidence issues are going into it. Oh, yeah. That that play, he rushed the throw to Jay Bruce. I mean, first of all, Luke Voigt maybe picks that because he's an actual first baseman. And maybe DJ LeMahieu even picks that because he's got a good glove. Jay Bruce not going to pick that ball. And you just you think that you have so much time in the world and then you rush this throw and you, you make a throwing error and then oh, we lose the game because of that. It's just... It's so tough and it has to be weighing so heavy on him knowing that knowing that first of all, he cost the Yankees a game, just a game that you were the direct reason that we lost this particular game and just going forward. I mean, how do you, how do you come back from that? Especially in New York, the way the media is the way uh, we try not to be, but the way we sometimes are the way I'm being right now saying Glaber Torres is not a shortstop. He's never going to be a shortstop. How do you, how do you get your confidence back from that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's going to be so so incredibly difficult. I mean, like we said, Glaber Torres, very very talented player. We saw him for a full season at second base, and he was so good. And it's just I don't know, like the fact that he used to be a shortstop really gave me a lot more hope that this was going to be okay. And 
now it's, it's fading fast. And I feel so terrible because I don't want to give up on him. I really don't like his bat is very good, but I feel like he's very similar to Gary Sanchez, where if his defense is bad, his offense is bad, regardless of what happens, he's going to have it in his head and he's going to try and be perfect every single play. And he's going to try too hard. It's like the whole Clint Frazier thing from not last year, but the year before, where he was literally just trying way too hard. He wasn't trying to just make the routine plays. He was trying to turn routine plays into something spectacular. Dude, ball, glove, hand, throw, right? That's it. That's all. Yeah, there's no reason to get crazy out here. There's no reason to get crazy. And it's just, this kind of goes back to over the off season when we weren't sure if DJ LeMahieu was coming back. When I kind of started to convince myself, like, hey, maybe if DJ LeMahieu left, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I would have missed DJ so much. I love DJ LeMahieu. He's been fantastic for us for two years, but that opens up the possibility of moving Gleyber Torres back to second base, a position that he is way more comfortable in. I think we can both agree his best season was his rookie year when he was playing mm-hmm. second base full-time, even offensively. And then you have options at shortstop. You could have gone and, and traded for Francisco Lindor uh, before the Mets did. You could go out and you can trade for Trevor Story. You can get some kind of stopgap. You can get D.D. Gregorius back for a year and just have one-year contract, D.D. Gregorius next offseason, go after Corey Seager. You have these options at shortstop. And now when you're looking forward, DJ LeMay, who's locked up long-term, you don't want to give up Gio Urshela. He's been great for you. You don't want to give up Luke Voigt because he's been great for you. So how does Glaber Torres at shortstop fit into the long-term plans? I just, I don't know because we have nowhere else to put him just because we have so many controllable <laughs> assets in the other infield position. So what do we do with Glaber? Well, the other thing, too, you got to think about as well is the Yankees have um, have mentioned that Glaber Torres has been a big fixture in trade talks uh, for the past two years, actually. So, I mean, you know, depending on what happens this year, his trade value, it it could stay very much the same. Like, to be honest, I feel like his bat just is good enough that people will be like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to work with him more on it. But and we're going to put him at second base. Right. Just put him back at second. Exactly. So he's not going to go as a shortstop. Um, but the the fact that we're even talking about trading or getting rid of Glaber Torres is just like, it's crazy because two years ago we were like, nope, untouchable. Don't even look at him. Can't this, is, him. this is the best player on the team in five right. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. And it sucks. It sucks to see Glaber struggle. We love Glaber. Glaber's adorable. Good guy. Good guy, Glaber. Good guy, Glaber, and he he picked up Gio Urshela on his way to on his way to the stadium the other day. Gio Urshela just waiting around on the New York City streets. Glaber rolls up and picks him up. Adorable. It's just Gio Urshela just swooped right in, just took the best friendship right away from Miguel Andujar, and it just became best friends with Glaber Torres. So when I went to a Yankee game back in 2019, um, I, we were waiting outside uh, basically for everyone to you know kind of out all the cars so we could see who drove what we were so interested in seeing what cars every player drove or you know their drivers drove and they rode in but Gio Rochella was the only player he pulled out of the parking garage pulls along to the side of the road stops and he's like does anyone want an autograph and we're like (laughs) yeah just the coolest dude coolest dude and the fact that him and Glaber Torres are such good buddies really makes me so happy yeah and uh, Gio sadly if the Glaber Torres at shortstop situation really comes down to it. It's probably going to be Gio who gets the boot 
And that sucks because we took Geo from nothing. He was nothing yeah. for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He was nothing for Toronto. And we unlocked this incredible hitter, this over 300 average hitter with power and this great defender. We unlocked all of this from Gio Urshela. He's controllable for so many years. We have this guy. He's in there. And when it comes down to it, if you have to move Gleyber Torres off shortstop, Gio is going to be the one who either hits the bench or finds himself in a trade. And that sucks because we love Gio and, and he doesn't deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, so far this season, he's even starting out pretty strong. He he started out a little, a little quiet early on, but to be completely honest, I trust his defense with my life. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is one week into the season. So I want to, I want to just make it clear. Like these are maybe overreactions or maybe reading a little bit too into things that we shouldn't be reading into yet. And you just, you don't know. You don't know how it's going to shake out. Maybe Glaber Torres, he just, he finds something defensively in two weeks. And all of a sudden he's an average MLB shortstop. And that's fine. I'm glad. I'm very happy with that because when he's playable in the field, we know what he can do with the bat. And we know how consistent he is at the plate with just being able to adjust from different pitchers to different counts. And he's just so talented with a bat in his hands. It sucks. It sucks that we might have to, we might have to trade him because of his glove and it's just, that's brutal. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I'm, I do not want to see continue for the rest of the season. I would prefer to see him go back to the, you know, Glaber that we, we know and love. I really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Uh, other big stories that are happening so far this year, Gary Sanchez, he's off to a pretty nice start. He's doing things. He's doing things and not just home run things, which is great. Great to see. Yeah, high socks, Gary. He's going with the high socks a lot this year. And I have long held the belief that when a player switches to high socks, they become instantly better. We saw it with Aaron Judge in 2016. Not that good. A lot of power, but couldn't really hit the ball. All of a sudden, 2017, he goes high socks. He's an MVP candidate. How long do you think Brett Gardner would have hung around in the league if he wasn't a high socks guy? I don't think very How long. Dare you? I don't think very long. How yeah. about Tyler Wade? Tyler Wade is basically young Brett Gardner, and he can't hit at all. It's He's wearing low pants. He's got to go high socks if he wants to hit. All right. You tell him, but he's the fashion like icon. So you can't really tell him what to wear. Yeah. But like if we're going from a pure production standpoint, yeah, maybe low pants looks better to some people. I'm not one of those people. I'm a high socks person. I love the high socks. Maybe Tyler Wade thinks the low pants are cool. That's why he's batting 180. It might be. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's. I've been enjoying watching some of these players uh, do well this season so far. Actually, Aaron judge has been hitting pretty well, not in the clutch necessarily, but he's been hitting pretty well. He's been hitting Uh, hard too. Right. And Stanton hasn't been hitting great, but he's been hitting in the clutch. So I've enjoyed watching that as well. And he's hitting very hard as well too. So those are good signs to see, especially with Stanton and especially yesterday um, when they played against the Orioles. Um, and he did the whole, you know, Hey, let me just bloop, bloop, bloop the ball out to, uh, (laughs) out to right field and just squibble in a run. Like, it's just, that's good stuff. It's good baseball. He did that today too. Just beat the shift. Just went the opposite way with the ground ball. If if there was no shift on, that's a routine play. He's probably out and just beats, beats the shift, gets a couple runs. 
So I don't know if he's taking a different approach at the plate and maybe not trying to just swing for the fences all the time, which would be a great thing. But that's kind of what it seems like. It seems like he's going more for the, you know what, I might squib one through the right side, but also I'm going to hit a 117 mile per hour line shot down the left field line too. So who knows where you want to play? Yeah, you would never ever catch me playing third base against John Carlos. Just even oh, the Yankees in general, because of all the, the top exit velocities in the stat cast era, it's basically just John Carlos Stanton, Aaron judge and Gary Sanchez. And you would never ever catch me playing third base against that lineup. They're just right-handed hitters who are looking to hit the ball as hard as possible, right at your head. Mm-mm. Won't do it. Won't do it. No way. No way. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised. And of course I've noticed um, Brett Gardner's role that he's played so far. He's been good. Um, every time he comes in, he's getting on base, uh, finding ways to get on base, whether it's with a walk, um, driving and runs with fielder's choice, uh, actually getting hits, which is a beautiful thing. He has four hits so far this season. Um, his OPS uh, is I think a thousand. So yeah, not bad, Brett. Not bad, Brett. He's been he's been doing what's asked of him. He's been coming in, making some good defensive plays as a as a replacement, making some nice at bats. You're always going to get a quality at bat from Brett Gardner, even if he if he makes an out, even if he strikes out, he's going to give you a pretty quality at bat. See a lot of pitches. So we love what we see from Brett Gardner. We're always going to love what we see from Brett Gardner because this is basically the Brett Gardner fan club podcast. No, no, I am the Brett Gardner fan club. You're just you're just there. I'm just here. Sorry. Um, but the other thing, too, I wanted to mention as well, obviously, DJ LeMay, Hughes starting off pretty strong. He had a not very good opening day, but beyond that, he's he's been hitting. He's been driving runs. He's been getting on base. So good for him. Um, but I wanted to mention one of the guys who's been super quiet at the bat. And no, I'm not talking about Jay Bruce. I'm talking about Clint Frazier. Um, so Clint Frazier hasn't been looking great at the plate. He looks like he's been guessing at every mm-hmm. third pitch strike. I like I've just in my mind right now, I have three strikeouts that he was just called out on strikes. Like he didn't swing at the last pitch. And those right. pitches were like, he's just getting beat on fastballs right down the middle. And it just looks like he's yeah. like today against Rich Hill. It looked like he was waiting for that, mm-hmm. that third strike curveball, And Rich Hill just throws a 90 mile per hour fastball right down the middle. Like Clint Frazier, that ball belongs in the seats. That's where when you get a 90 mile per hour fastball right down the middle, you hit it to the outfield, you hit it into the bleachers. That's where that one goes. We don't get that ball back, but he just watched it go by. And I feel like he's feel like he's been guessing at pitches. And I don't love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I would assume his scouting report is not wrong, but I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to throw him off balance. Maybe they've started to figure him out a little bit more in the league. So, um, yeah, but he, he has not been looking real great as of late. And I think today he was over five again. Um, so that's not exactly what we want to see from our starting left fielder. Um, obviously I don't want to pull him yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he got the day off at least tomorrow. Um, yeah, he, just, maybe yeah. he needs a day off today. He was yeah. 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, which is yeah. not really what you want, especially, you know, the Yankees offense wasn't nowhere today. They scored five runs. They just got blown out. So you want a little more production out of Clinton Frazier. 
Yeah. So I don't know, give him a little rest, you know, let him kind of set his mind straight a little bit more. Obviously playing in the trap is different for different people. Some people are just absolutely terrible there because you can barely see the ball coming in, um, which could maybe could have been the case with him, but he's kind of looked like that the majority of the season so far. So um, obviously don't pull him yet because you want to give him a real opportunity to be starting left fielder. Um, and just a day just off him. wouldn't kill him. Just, just a yeah. one day off. A- Get them off the field at the trap. Say, hey, take a day. Clear your head. I don't know if we can do that while Aaron Judge is injured, possibly. Right. Quote, unquote. Well, you got Talkman and you got Brett Gardner. Yeah, and then I guess you could have Clint Frazier off the bench if you really needed him. Right. Uh, so there's there's options there. And yeah. It sucks because he got off to a good start on opening day. We thought, hey, like Clint Frazier's ready to go for the season. He's ready to prove from day one that, like, hey, this is my spot now. And since then, it's just kind of been downhill. It hasn't really been going his way. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, but beyond that, obviously we want Aaron Hicks to get going. Um, he struck out 10 times already in this young season and that's not great, especially when you're in the three hole, uh, the majority of the time, but he did hit a monster home run today. So he still got that power. He still got that swing. Just a matter of channeling it into an everyday thing. Yes, absolutely. And one thing, uh, very negative, very negative thing to talk about early, the bullpen. It has been it has been rough at times to see like Nick Nelson today. I've never seen anybody more overmatched in my entire life. He was getting killed today. Yeah, that was rough. That was really, really rough. Um, Yeah. And, you know, the bullpen actually started out the season pretty decently. Surprisingly, surprisingly, that was my biggest concern. I mean, they came into they came into today's game. with, I believe, the top uh, ERA for all pitching staff. Um, obviously, that will have changed because uh, Kluber gave up five runs, and then you got Nick Nelson coming in, giving up, what, three more, four more? I don't know. Yeah, you sure. have a four today. Which right. Is not good. So, obviously, that changes, but like, you know, we don't have Zach Britton in the bullpen. We really don't have an identity for the bullpen. So, the fact that they started out the season pretty well was actually stellar. Um, your boy, Michael King. Yeah. He, just he was great. Wrong. He was great in his first appearance. And I was, couldn't be happier for Mike King. Yeah. I love Mike King. Couldn't be happier. Yeah. Prove me wrong, please. He did. He de- it, I immediately thought of you as soon as, as soon he was as- coming out to pitch. And I was like, oh, God, James. And I was like, he's out again. He's out again. Oh, my God. He's out for the sixth inning. Like, wow. As soon so. as he pitched, because he pitched, he piggybacked with Domingo Herman. Domingo mm-hmm. Herman wasn't great in his first start. So he piggybacked with Herman and pitched way better than Herman did. So mm-hmm. as soon as that happened, literally everyone was like, oh, it looks like Mike King's the fifth starter now. Get rid of Domingo Herman. Oh, that's a shame. We got to get rid of this guy that nobody likes. Yeah, no, I know. But like, it was just so interesting to me because like I said, the bullpen didn't really have an identity, but yet they were doing so well. And the wheels fall off. Not as great. So, you know, we knew that was going to happen at some point. Obviously we knew with Corey Kluber too, um, you know, with the starters ERA and everything that something was going to happen. Just Kluber Kluber got a rough break today too. He, he, a lot of balls should have been caught. A lot of balls should have been fielded. That technically, yeah, they're hits, but on a good defensive team, those are plays that get made. Uh, so he he caught a little bit of a rough break today and a high ERA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, on a super positive note, Garrett Cole's performance the other night was oh, just masterful. Like, reminded me of just why I love this sport and this team so much. It was so 
fun to watch. And normally those games where it's all pitching or the majority of pitching are not that fun. You want to see like plays being made, but I would sit there and watch 13 Garrett Cole strikeouts for days, like on my deathbed, please. That's all I want to be played. Yeah. Garrett Cole is, he's one of those dudes who, if he throws seven shutout innings and like two hits, like you could not be more excited. Like you are amped up for that game because that's your ACE. That's what you want from Mm -hmm. him. And every single strikeout, 13 strikeouts, you're getting amped up for that. It's not like, like if Domingo Herman did that, I don't think anybody would actually care as much. I think it'd just be like, Hey, Domingo threw a good game today, but no, when Garrett Cole does it, it's like, yes, that's my motherfucking ACE. But that's what we paid him for. So you know what? I love seeing, especially so early on in the season too. Um, to Kyle know, Higashioka too. So we have yeah, to have those well, talks too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, I assume they're going to try the Gary Sanchez tandem again, of course, because it's early enough. You can still kind of play around with these things. Um, he wasn't bad to Gary either. He was, I no, mean, opening he day, he was pretty he good. He just wasn't quite as sharp. Yeah. And how much of that comes from just being like opening day at your first start? You're still gearing up a little bit. And obviously to Higashioka, he was dominant. Yeah. Next week, I'd love to see him uh, pitch to Gary Sanchez again. And maybe he has a performance like he had with Kyle Higashioka. We could finally put that narrative to bed because if we get off to, if we get off to a good start with Garrett Cole, that it just so happens, quote unquote, that Kyle Higashioka is catching Garrett Cole because Gary Sanchez's off day lines up that way and Garrett Cole gets off to a good start, we will never see Gary Sanchez catch Garrett Cole again. It just won't happen. And you know, the other thing too is Kyle Higashioka is starting to become a player who's not just a body to put behind the plate. Like, obviously Garrett Cole trusts him, but his bat actually looks good. He got some really good hits the other day, including the RBI single. Um to help tie the game in that back and forth game against the Orioles. So Kyle Higashioka, the hero at the plate, who would have seen that coming? Right, exactly. So, I mean, he's not just like, Oh, you can put him in. You're, you're going to lose that power for sure. But like, you might get some more quality hits too. Yeah. Who knows? And we saw it last year. Kyle Higashioka actually was good offensively. Mm -hmm. He was, he was very good for a, a catcher and he just took Gary Sanchez's job. It wasn't just that Gary was playing so bad that, he was unplayable, which was also the case. You couldn't play Gary Sanchez, but it was also that Kyle Higashioka was just playing really well. And right, just, right, hey, exactly. let's go to this guy. He's got a hot bat right now. Let's go to him in the playoffs. Even when Garrett Cole is not on the mound, let's go to Kyle Higashioka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be something to look out for, but I definitely agree. The Yankees are going to try and, and pair Garrett Cole with Gary Sanchez because, I mean, if you got that power on power, like, you got if you can use it, you can use it. So at least try it out. You got to give it a few more tries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what else? What else do we have for the Yankees so far? It's still still a young season, only yeah. seven games in. Uh, pretty much, pretty much dead even. And I feel like we kind of start every April like this, where we're all the, everyone's paying attention, so everyone's complaining about how poorly things are going, and then we get into like May, June, July, and you start to realize like, hey, the Yankees are actually pretty good again. Just FYI. Yeah. yeah, it'll take time to, to get back into the whole swing of things. <laughs> Fun intended. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, April is usually kind of an often, usually a 500 months. I mean, that's kind of what I would expect this year. But moving forward, super excited to see some of these upcoming series and more so excited to see really just 
how these players it's so early and certain players are struggling how they're going to get themselves out of these ruts like you know they can do it Aaron Hicks you know he can do it Clint Frazier you know he can do it but they're just not doing it right now so I'm really interested to to watch the next couple weeks and just kind of see see what plays out really yeah and even even in the first week of the season people getting off to slow starts it's what 20 25 at bats that's nothing that's yeah, nothing. Yeah. Clint Frazier is going to get 400 more of those this year. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and actually talking Yanks just tweeted that the Yankees started six and seven in 2018 and five and eight in 2019. Yeah. So we always get off to starts like this. And then okay. the, the last thing you want is like what the Oakland A's are going through right now, where you're kind of viewed as the division favorite. And then you get off to like a one and six start and you lose six games to a division rival. They, I mean, they were, I don't think they've beaten the Houston Astros yet. I got to check. Uh, I don't know if they played today, but they were getting blown out by the Astros in the first series. And then they got blown out again by the Dodgers. And they are just, they're not good right now. And that's like the last thing that you want, especially if you're the A's, especially if you're the Yankees, don't put yourself in a hole this early in the division race. Don't have to play from behind the entire season because that sucks. That puts a lot of extra pressure on you. If the Yankees just tread water, 500 month and we're you know maybe two games back from the division at the end of the month and it's like the toronto blue jays who are hot who cares we're totally fine i have absolutely zero worries about making the playoffs in that situation the last thing you can do is drop like six seven eight games behind the division lead in the first month of the season because that is going to be really tough to come back from Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as much as we say it's still early and there's still a ton of time, there is still a ton of time. But at the same time, you (laughs) I hate when the Yankees get to that point where they have to rely on other teams to mess up in order for them to perform better um, and to, you know, get the division title or even just get a playoff spot. That is the worst feeling in the world to rely on someone else to make a mistake because write your write your own scripts. Right. When the time comes and these teams are getting ready to go to the playoffs, they're pumped up. They're excited. They want these playoff spots. They're going to continue winning. They're not going to be like, oh, you know what? Let's take a, let's take a couple of days, you know, rest all of our starters, all that jazz. No, nobody wants the Yankees in the playoffs because we've seen what the Yankees can do in the playoffs in the past. So just focus on yourselves and win. That's it. That's it. Just win. Just win. Uh, all right. So I think that wraps it up for me for the Yankees. A couple oh. other notes. Do you have anything else for the Yankees? No, that's it for me. All right. I got a couple other notes around the league then. Uh, first and foremost, old friend James Paxton is going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery. Could not feel worse for that guy. I mean, it's just, just the roughest, especially he was so good for so many years. And then he finally gets that free agency age and he just, he can't even get back on the field at all. He just can't stay on the field. And that sucks because I mean, if you asked me a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, what I thought James Paxton would get in free agency, I'm looking at like five years, a hundred million. And now, oh, yeah, sure. now we're just hoping that he can return to baseball at some point. Mm-hmm. So that sucks for him. Uh, I mentioned the A's got off to a really bad start, which means the Astros are in control of the AL West. I don't care for that. I don't care for that one bit. Not fun. Not fun for me. I just literally cannot stand it. Um, it's tough. But, however, the Angels fans throwing all the trash cans on the field, 
brilliant. I love that it. was that was crazy when they actually when they threw an actual trash can on the field. It was like it's one thing to throw an inflatable on the field, like oh yeah, that's that's funny. It's a balloon and it's a trash can. Yeah, like good fun all around. No, they threw an actual trash can on the field and trash fell out of it. Like someone had to they come out are. there and pick up the trash with their hands and then lift this giant trash can and get it off the field. Well, the other thing too, I was watching uh, one of the highlights and stuff. And when they threw the inflatable trash can, they like threw it from like a section up too. So it's like hitting people on the way down. And they're like, what do we do with this? You're like, just throw it. Just it's like it. body surfing down. You jump yeah. off the stage with a trash can yeah. and it goes whoo, right down onto the field. I mean, I do want to mention uh, Shohei Otani because he's just yes. a freaking incredible human being, player, robot, alien. I don't even know what he I is. I just want him to be bad at one thing. Just one thing. Just be he's bad not, at it. It's not going to happen. Like put him, good put him at shortstop. They'll see if he can play <laughs> shortstop. He's even good at waving goodbye to Mike Trout's home runs. Like, that no was, one's done that. That was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, it's pretty cool what he's doing. It's like it is. And I know the stats people are going to be like, but the stats. No, he is a modern day Babe Ruth. Like he's doing he's, it all. He is better, better than Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth wouldn't have a shot in hell of playing in the league today because he played against plumbers. So that that's a whole other thing. And that's that's going to be that's a hot mic clip that I might get in trouble for if somebody listens to the podcast and records this. I might get in trouble for saying that. But Bay Ruth would never make it in the league today. Shohei Otani is out here throwing 100 miles per hour and then hitting it 110 miles per hour while stealing bases. And it's just what doesn't this guy do? What is one thing that this guy cannot do on a baseball field? Show it to me. I want to see one flaw because I'm mad that he didn't even take a meeting with the Yankees. I'm still mad about that. You know, I'm actually very glad because I feel like if he did sign with the Yankees, everyone would just be hating on him for no reason whatsoever. They'd find one little minuscule thing and they'll be like, you can't do this and I don't like you for it. Yeah, your hair doesn't look good when your helmet falls off. New York Post headline right there. Right, right exactly exactly so i'm kind of glad that he never took a meeting with the yankees because i feel like they would have convinced him to sign and then the fans would be mean to him and i don't like that yeah it, it'd be terrible and i i really i really want the angels to make the playoffs so badly not only just for mike trout to be in the postseason again because mike trout is the best player of all time it's, it's just crazy that he's not in the postseason but Shohei Otani I mean could you imagine Shohei Otani starting game one of the of, let's say even they get to the World Series let's say they get to the World right. Series let's say it goes to game seven because Shohei Otani is their best pitcher so game seven in the World Series Shohei Otani on the mound and hitting second in the lineup how incredible would that be that would be the best thing I've ever seen pretty cool and something that you could say you probably would never see again no, absolutely not. Not unless the Angels made the playoffs again. And that's just with their pitching well, staff, it's just not likely because their pitching is terrible. If I mean, you're really heavily relying on Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Griffin Caning, Jose Quintana. That's the worst rotation in baseball. That rotation sucks. So I have to say also, um, <laughs> so opening night, I like looked at the different games that were happening and I saw the the Angels and the White Sox. So I'm like, hey, cool. Let me Great watch game. it. You, you helped me out. You know, you gave me some uh, account information and stuff. So I turn on the game. I'm watching it. And I saw like, <laughs> I see they keep talking about Bundy. 
And someone, I feel like it was my mom asked me, she was like, oh yeah, well, who's pitching for them? And I was like, Ted Bundy. I'm like, <laughs> that's that not right. sound right. That, that's so not I keep, right. I keep calling him Ted Bundy. I know he's not Ted Bundy. It's just, oh my that's God. where my head is at. It's not in baseball mode, apparently. It's in serial killer mode. It's a problem. Oh my, you didn't tweet that, did you? No, I did not. Oh, I guess that's I that's bad. I that would make how it, many people react. Yeah, that would make its way to Dylan Bundy for sure. Just keep calling him Ted Bundy, like oh, Ted Bundy strikes out the side. You're like, whoa, mm-hmm. hold on, back up, back up. What? Who? Who Bundy? Ooh, yeah. So that was a big mistake on my part. I laughed <laughs> so hard, and then I made the same mistake later. I did the same thing. So. Oh my god. Yeah. No, Dylan. Dylan slash Ted Bundy. Not a good pitcher. Not a good pitcher. Not a playoff caliber starter. Not a great serial killer either. He got caught. Well, I think he killed a lot of people before he got caught. So there's there's an argument over, you know, this is the kind of how is the prime of yeah, your career you versus the like, longevity you of your have career. Hall of Fame of serial killers? Like, that's not a good idea. Let's not even go into that. No, no, let's not go into that. Let's not. Oh, man, that's that's another hot mic clip that I might get in trouble for <laughs> saying. How, how is the prime of your serial killing career than your longevity? <laughs> Tell us about it. Oh, shit, I'm in the wrong interview. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Ted Bundy. Okay. Uh, the other, the other big thing that happened this week, Trevor Bauer, he's having his baseballs inspected by major league baseball for a, uh, uh, there was sticky substance on it and there were scuff marks on it. And I will say, uh, a friend of mine, Ben Rossi, he works for one of the other sites I work for. He actually caught a home run ball that came off, uh, Trevor Bauer. Someone hit a home run off Trevor Bauer. He caught the ball and he can confirm, and I have a picture of it too, that there is a sticky substance on the ball and it's scuffed up. I'm going to, I know that the people at home won't be able to see it, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to pull it up just so you can see it. Uh, Yeah, here we go. Can you see that? It's too bright. No, no. You're going to have to send it to me. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you, but it's, it's. I mean, it's clearly covered in pine tar. And I know because I absolutely used pine tar when I was playing men's league, 100% used pine tar. I was not good enough to not use pine tar on my, on my balls. It couldn't Mm -hmm. happen. Couldn't happen. But Trevor Bauer, he is, I mean, it's just ridiculous because in 2018, you have Trevor Bauer claiming the Astros are cheating by using pine tar, which of course was the least of their cheating offenses, the least of them that they were using pine tar, and specifically Garrett Cole. And then in 2019, he says, if I used pine tar, I would add 400 RPM to my fastball easily. Then in 2020, his contract year, all of a sudden his fastball jumps up by 400 RPM, exactly 400. And all of a sudden he wins the Cy Young. He gets a huge deal and he goes to the Dodgers. And now it's like, oh, well, now we have to kind of check Trevor Bauer out for pine tar because his RPM doesn't really line up with his career averages. Like you complained about this in 2018. You were the first person screaming like we have to get rid of this pine tar stuff. People are using pine tar to cheat. And in 2021, it's like, oh, well, I guess we have Trevor Bauer using pine tar on the baseballs. Like, come I mean, on, man. Honestly, that could also be uh, just a tactic for him to be like, yeah, I'm going to bring up this issue so that people are like, oh, well, he brought it up. It's not even, it, why would he do that to himself? I could see him being a little manipulative like that. He went full turn on it too. He, Him and his agent are putting out shirts and hats that say legalized pine tar on them. I'm like, weren't you accusing Garrett Cole of being a piece of shit for using pine tar three years ago? Wasn't that you? 
Yeah, but I have to tell you, though, um, he's also making shirts that say uh, stop MLB blackouts. And that makes me happy because I'm blacked out of everything. Absolutely. And that's we keep coming back to this with Trevor Bauer, the stuff that he's doing for the game. Great. You're doing a great job. Bring social media to the game. Give the, the players, let them show their personalities. That's great. But did it have to be Trevor Bauer? Did it have to be him? Of course it did. Of course, because he's the only one that's brave enough to speak up. But then at the same time, he's also kind of a, you know. Yeah, we know. All we know. The, the listeners know what you were about to say. Yes, I know yes, we yes. don't like to curse on the podcast. Well, I curse on the podcast, but Allison doesn't like to curse on the podcast because her parents know. listen. Yeah, my yeah. parents listen. Or well, my mom listens as well, at least. And she doesn't care that I curse on the podcast. I don't have to apologize for that. Um, and the other thing that we had that was absolutely insane yesterday in the Mets game, it ends on a walk-off hit-by-pitch that was a strike. And Michael Conforto just takes a dive over the plate to get a bases loaded hit by pitch to walk off the game. And it was just the most absurd thing I've ever seen. And you had the umpire Ron Copa right after the game said, yeah, I fucked that up. That was, that was yeah, a mistake. Exactly. No, people are complaining about Conforto and I'm like, listen, let whatever the dude wants to do, he, whatever he wants to do, not technically time, cheating, but a dirty play. Ops. That's on the umps. I mean, they should be making that call. They should be like, yeah, that was so obviously intentional. Like, and they went to review. Mm. They went to review and they still got it wrong. It was like, yeah. first of all, I think the only thing you can review is whether or not it actually hit him, which it did. It hit him. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a reviewable yeah, you play. You can't change that call, but you can say like it hit him or no, it did not. The, yeah. That's the only thing you could do. Yeah. Um, so you can't, really, you can't no look point, and say. There was no point in going to a, re- a review because you're not going to get the call that you supposedly want. If you have to make that call right away. And then I think you can go back and be like, can I reverse this? Yeah. I think and you can. The, the rule is that he made no effort to not get hit by the ball. He, in fact, did the exact opposite. He made quite an effort to get hit by the ball. And the main wrong on the umpires was that the ball was a strike. It was in the strike mm-hmm. zone. And if you yeah. get hit by a pitch in the strike zone, not a hit by pitch, that's a strike. Right. And Michael Conforto, he would not have gotten away with this if there were robo-umps. Everything comes back to robo-umps. If we had a, a robo-ump strike zone, Michael Conforto would have absolutely gotten out. Well, they were just desperate for a win, I guess. Desperate for a win. Uh, yeah, that, so that was insane yesterday. Absolute insanity. On the first week of baseball, it just Michael Conforto. I don't, I don't think Michael Conforto is a great guy either. <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty sure he's not a great guy. I, I can't confirm that because I'm not a, really a Mets fan, uh, but I feel like Mets fans have a, have a bit of a problem with him and oh, he yeah, is vying for an extension. With him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so what else do you have? Any, any other fun baseball stuff? No fun. No, that's, I have no more fun stuff either. Uh, this pretty, pretty slow week, honestly, just generally yeah. for the Yankees, just a, a pretty much 500 week. Uh, you know, since the last podcast, the Yankees are three and three. They've had some good games. They've had some stinkers like today and mm-hmm. which get ready, man. Just get That's ready. That's the name of the game. That's what happens. And then, you know, they're going to go on a tear. They're going to win eight in a row. They're going to win nine in a row. And then they're going to drop seven. It's just. That's how it goes. Oh, you know what works. we didn't mention? You know what we didn't mention? Jameson Tyone. I thought he was fantastic in his he first He looks great to me. 
Yeah, he I let mean, up a couple like, a couple solo homers. I don't care about that. A couple solo homers is absolutely nothing for this Yankees offense. They can overcome that easily. But just generally, I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It was really, really nice to see him back out on the mound after so long. And um, you could tell that he was just feeding off of the energy, too, at the stadium. So that was really, really fun to watch. And I, I'm excited to see what happens next game and the next game and the next game. And the next one. And also Jordan Montgomery. A strong start for Jordan Montgomery, too. Love yeah, that. Yeah. Do we really even need to talk about him? We knew that was going to happen. We knew that. Max said, we Max said, it. this is Jordan Montgomery's year. So, yeah, Jordan well, Montgomery, Cy Young, put your votes in now. He looked great. So, I mean, yeah, I was, I was very impressed overall with the first go through of the rotation, um, except for, you know, Domingo Herman, but Michael King helped save that. So, that made it a little bit better. Yeah. The pitching, the pitching was overall pretty good in the first week. The offense wasn't there all the time. Uh, and then obviously today the pitching completely fell apart. I mean, mm-hmm. the ship, the ship yeah. sank today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so, well, so far it's been pretty good. It was bound to happen at some point. So, I'm glad it happens earlier instead of, you know, the month of September. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. So I think that'll wrap it up for us then. And we'll see y'all next week. All right. 